0: How precious it is to worship the Son, uh, to set our thoughts upon our Savior and His greatness and His redeemingness. And we're going to continue to do that. We set our thoughts upon Scripture. This morning we'll be looking at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 4 through 14. And once again, it's all about the Son. Hebrews is It's all about the son. And this morning we'll be looking at the son and the fact that he's superior to the angels. Here's the outline. If you want to copy down the outline points, uh, we'll see that the son that Jesus is God's son. We see that in verses four through five. That's point A. Next point is that he receives worship. The son receives worship. Verses 6 through 7. Third point is he is. Talking about Jesus Christ. The ruler of God's kingdom. We see that in verses 8 through 9. He is eternal. Uh, Verses 10 through 12. And lastly we'll see that. The sun reigns. Verses 13. Through 14. Hear. Word of God. Start reading at verse number one for context. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. We've gone over these three verses, the last uh, last uh, Sunday, and including verse number four, and it's, I just want to stop here. And it's amazing. This this just should be enough, shouldn't it, for Jesus Christ? Uh, we can just you know just just close our Bible, start right there. That should be enough. But this just this says something about us as uh, even as believers that we still need to be reminded over and over again. Of the, the excellence of Jesus Christ. And this is what the author does. He he continues on. Verse three, I mean, that seemed to be enough, but he just continues on. Because we we need to 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 continue to set our focus upon Christ and and see that he is superior in all things. And that's what the author goes on to say. Having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he will be to me a son. And again when he brought when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says let all God's angels worship him. Of the angel, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame, of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The, the sceptre of your uprightness is the sculpture of your kingdom. You have loved Righteousness and hated wickedness, therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above beyond, beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens, are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels? As he ever said, "Sit down, or sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet." Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? The, the this the author of Hebrews is dealing with the question: Jesus Is Jesus now. Is Jesus enough? Is there something or someone more superior to Jesus Christ? Maybe uh, you can ask this question of your own self. Is is Jesus Christ enough for me? This is the point of Hebrews. The the point of Hebrews chapter one in particular is that Jesus Christ is, first of all, he's no angel. He's not merely a great man. He is God, the victorious son of God, the enthroned God. Over and over, the author of Hebrews, and we'll see as we go throughout this letter, he, he focuses his attention and our t- he focuses our attention in particular upon Jesus Christ and, and stresses the, the finality and the superiority of Jesus Christ for the Christian faith. We can trust in Jesus Christ we can we can build our faith upon Jesus Christ. We should set our focus daily upon him. Oswald Chambers said this in his little devotional. He said the the uh, severest discipline of a Christian's life is to learn how to keep beholding as in the glass the glory of the Lord. And that's what 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 uh this this is the uh, the the source of our motivation is the glory of the Lord. As as we behold Him in the pages of Scripture, Paul said even of his life that 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 knowing the love of Christ, knowing who Christ is, that compelled him, that motive that con- in a sense in, in a sense it constrained the way he lived his life. Beholding Christ, knowing Christ. Being, and Paul even said to 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 go and be with Christ is, is better. <laughs> it's better to be with Christ. Uh, uh, beloved, do we have the same focus in our lives that that Christ and Christ alone is, is better than all things? Even our own life. Even our own life. Because we are faced with the temptation not to value Christ as we should. We're all faced with that temptation daily. We're faced with the daily temptation to, in some way, minimize Jesus Christ in our lives. I I don't know if you ever thought about this. I'm talking about the greatness of Christ. Did you know all of history pivots on Christ? You have B.C. and A.D. You know why we have that? Because of Jesus Christ, all of history bows to jesus christ he he is our life he is excellent we we should value value him above all things. He is excellent, he is superior, he is divine, and so we should set our focus upon him and this is what the author of Hebrews is helping us to do as we we I don't know about you, but you know as I was getting into this passage and studying uh, it's it's wonderful to get in the page of Scripture and just see Christ, uh, just put on display for us to see, and I, and I pray that that you see that and 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 that you appreciate what the author of Hebrews is doing for us as he lays out Christ, particularly going back to the Old Testament and bringing the truth about Christ to our attention. And so the first thing we'll see that uh, Christ, Jesus Christ, the Son is God's son. Look at verse number four, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. What name is this? It it is the son. The, 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 the author, what he's going to do in these verses, we're going to look at, he's going to show that Jesus Christ is better than the angels. Perhaps, this congregation was was tempted to think that that angels were better than Jesus. But look, look, look at verse four. He says, having become as much superior to the angels. The, the theme of superior or better is, is one of the themes of the book of Hebrews. And just just listen as I read a couple of passages. Hebrews chapter seven, verse 19 it says, for on the other hand, a form of commandment is set aside because of the weakness its weakness and uselessness. Verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. Verse 22 of chapter seven. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. Chapter eight, verse number six says, "But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since is since it is enacted on better promises." We can keep going. A uh, uh, chapter. 9 verse 23 chapter 10 verse 34 chapter 11 verse 16 verse 35 verse 40 chapter 12 verse 24 the author is making the case that in every way jesus is better he he is better he's a better priest he is a better prophet he is better than the angels he is a he he is the the full uh the fulfillment of, of of all the the shadows and types that that we find uh in in the Old Testament, Jesus is better and And the comparison that the author is making here is that that he has having become such as much superior to angels. Angels are spiritual beings created by God, and the Hebrew and Greek word for angel simply means messenger. Angels are powerful. Uh, powerful spiritual beings and and oftentimes when they appeared in scripture they they appeared in human form uh, and, and one of the things that the Jews uh embraced about angels was that they were divine messengers of God oftentimes we when we're reading the scripture we read that it was the angels that was bringing uh, god 's message to the people I turn to uh, Let's go to the Old Testament Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16 verse number 10. And here we we see the angel the Lord speaking. Said, and matter of fact, go back to verse number eight, and he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from, and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, mistress Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for a multitude. Let's go to the New Testament, Acts chapter 7, and we'll see again angels bring God's message to his people. Acts chapter 7, verse 53. It says, and this is Stephen's sermon. And Stephen said, "You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it, the angels were were in a sense mediators. They brought God's word. They mediated the law of God." But turn to Galatians, chapter three, verse nineteen. These are angels or divine messengers of God. Galatians chapter three, verse 19. Why then the law? It was added because of the transgression until the offspring should come to whom the promise has been made. And it was put in place, notice, through angels by an uh, intermediary. So the angels mediated the law of God. They brought uh, God's word uh, to the people of God. And so the the Jews, for the Jews, angels was a big deal, that they were a big deal uh, to the Jews. Some, uh, the commentators even said that the Jews uh, even uh, prayed to angels. And the recipients of this letter what and the reason the author is dealing with this is perhaps they were even, they were tempted to depend upon angels to, to be the mediators between them and God. Just like you read in Isaiah six, when Isaiah was uh, when he was uh, caught up in, in the temple and, and he saw God and, and who came and, and, and mediated and, and ministered to him. It was the angel came and took the coal and, and, and put it on his tongue. And, and perhaps these, these Jewish believers, uh, knowing the, the angels and their history in the Old Testament, look to them rather than to Jesus Christ. And even today, some people believe that angels mediate prayers. When, we, when you pray, they believe that angels take those prayers to God. But Jesus is superior to angels. Angels only serve God. Even though the angels live in the presence of God, there is no access to God but through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ. Angels cannot take us to God, angels cannot give us access to God. Only Jesus Christ and faith in Him can do that. Acts 4 and 12 says, There is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved there is only one way there is only one mediator that brings about salvation there is only one mediator that enables us to have access to god the father and that is jesus christ not angels and and even though angels brought god's message to man they, they couldn't bridge the gap between holy God and sinful man. No angel could be the savior. No angel could deliver mankind from their sins. Christ and Christ alone is the mediator between God and man. And our face rests rest upon him alone. And that's the, 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 the author is building the case that Jesus is, is superior because of the work of salvation. That he has accomplished for us. He goes on, as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. A name in in biblical times was significant, it it held, uh, it had more significance than it does today. A name represented all that a person is, it represented a person's character, their nature, their personhood. And so the writer says, as Uh, Jesus is superior as that the name that he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. What does he mean that the name that Jesus Christ has inherited is much? And it sounds like there was a time that Jesus was not superior. Because it said as the name he has inherited is more excellent than that. Was there a time where, where Jesus was not superior to the angels? There was a time where, matter of fact, turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 6. Matter of fact, verse number 5. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower, uh you made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. I believe this is what the the uh the writer is referring to when he said that the Lord Jesus Christ has has inherited uh a name that is more excellent than theirs. For a time during the incarnation, Jesus, as the God man, as man, was a little lower than the angels at that time. When he came in the incarnation, he he was uh, uh, as man. He was uh, at that time a little lower than the angels. But it was when Jesus Christ, he lived a righteous life. He died. He was buried. Uh, he was raised from the dead. He ascended to heaven. And in that in that reality and what Christ had done in salvation, being raised, being the resurrected Christ. He now has a name that is more excellent than the angels as the God man, as the God man who was raised from the dead. Turn to Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two, verses 19 through 11. Philippians chapter two, verses nine through 11. It says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Why is it that God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name? Well, go back and read what Paul says in verse number six, who through, uh, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, notice being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ, during his incarnation, he humbled himself and he came into the world as a man. And as a man, uh, the uh, angels are in a higher position than man. And Jesus Christ, being man for a short period of time while he walked on this earth, he was made a little lower than the angels. And so now Jesus Christ, as the, the God man, the, the, the son of God, he was raised and he sits at the right hand of the majesty on high, having accomplished his work of purification. We read that. Uh, we discussed that last week that he had purified us, a uh, people for himself. This purification is a, a one time thing. And it was through the death of Jesus Christ and and again no angel no angel could do this no angel had this uh had been given this responsibility only the Lord Jesus Christ and so the author now goes and he he picks out seven old testament citations that point to the greatness of Jesus Christ the Lord seven old testament citations Remember, I had said in a previous sermon that there are some today that look down upon the Old Testament. But this author goes back to the Old Testament, not just the Old Testament, but also the Septuagint. And he brings the these, these prophecies, he points and highlights these, these uh, allusions to Jesus Christ and bring them forward proving that Jesus Christ is greater than the angels. Look at verse number five it says for to which of the angels did god ever say you are my son today i have begotten you this is a rhetorical question because the we know the answer the answer is no one you see that there this is a this is a question you are my son today who did god ever say this to angels (laughs) no god never said this to angels and the the quote here is from Psalm chapter 2, verse number 7. And this psalm proclaims that the Messiah is is the Son of God. Psalm 2, Paul quotes this same, same, uh, matter of fact, go to Psalm 2. Psalm chapter 2. You know, it's not enough to go to people and say, Jesus, you know, people ask you who is Jesus Christ, and, and you just say he's Lord, you gotta take him to the scripture. And this is what the the writer of Hebrews is doing. He's making his point from scripture. Hebrews, uh, as you were Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. And notice it says, I will tell of the the uh, of the decree, the Lord said to me, You are my son. No, in my Bible, it's a capital. As today, I have begotten you. This is a reference to the Messiah. This is a that the Messiah is the Son. And Paul quotes this same passage in Acts chapter thirteen, verse number thirty-three. You say, how do we know that this refers to the Son? Well, New Testament author quoted the same verse and referenced it to Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 13, verse number 33. It says, and he has fulfilled to us their children by raising Jesus. Also, as also it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son today I have begotten you and so we see a reference that is found in the old testament it is referenced by an author in the new testament and he, and he says that it points to jesus christ and so again uh jesus christ is the son of god and this is the point that the author is making god never said to an angel you are my son Now, he's in Job chapter one, verse six. The angels are called sons of God, the sons of God. But God never said to an angel, you are my son. This is important because you have some cults out there today that minimize and and they uh, say that Jesus. And we'll talk about that here in a minute, that Jesus was was born and, and therefore he's not God. Uh, These this this passage points to the fact that that God said that the Messiah is the son. Paul pointed to the fact that this verse that we uh, read in Philippi uh, in Psalm chapter two, verse seven is about Jesus Christ. So the connection Old Testament and New Testament, uh, New Testament points to the fact that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Uh, Even uh, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, God said, this is my son. When Jesus on his baptism, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 5, on the Mount of Transfiguration, God said again of Jesus Christ, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. So the father acknowledged Jesus as the son. And that's the point that the writer is making. The father acknowledged Jesus as his son. Jesus just did not give himself that term. The father acknowledged Jesus as son. And here in our passage, the writer goes on. He says, or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. This is taken from. Second Samuel, chapter seven, verses uh, fourteen through sixteen. And this this passage originally spoken to David by the prophet Nathan concerning Solomon. God promised David that one of his descendants would sit on his throne forever. In the context, it refers it refers to Solomon, but in in as a, a prophetic word, this is ultimately fulfilled by jesus christ solomon died this points to the son jesus christ Uh, again god never said this to to angels god never said to an angel i will be to him a father he shall be to me a son this only is uh, the father only said this to the son so no angel is superior uh, than jesus christ the son and so he is not only superior because he is God's son; he is superior because the angels worship him. Jesus Christ is the object of worship, and that's what we find in verse six and seven, starting with verse six. And he says, "And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, let all God's angels worship him." Now, this this again sounds like the the those who are cults will take what is said here. And they will twist it. They will look and say, okay, firstborn, what does firstborn mean? Well, the Jehovah's Witness, they would take this and they understand that Christ being the firstborn is that Christ is the first created being. And through him, all other things were created. This is what they this is how they phrase it in their New World Translation. So they take this word firstborn and say that means that Jesus was the first created being. Is that what God is saying? No. The Mormons, on the other hand, they take this English translation of the word firstborn. They take it literally. And they again, they believe that Christ is the firstborn child of the heavenly father. But listen how they this is how they believe it that Jesus Christ is the firstborn child of the Heavenly Father and and, and one of the goddess wives. (laughs) The relationship between the Heavenly Father and and one of his goddess wives. And and Jesus is is simply uh, a result of that (laughs) that relationship. That's blasphemy. But this is; th- these are the people that are riding up and down the streets. These are the things that we have to deal with in our time. The author is dealing with it in, in his time. But we, you, if you take this passion, they look and they said the firstborn means that he was created. But if firstborn meant first created, if that is what the writer of Hebrews is saying, and Paul also said said the same thing in Colossians that Jesus Christ is the first. Uh, uh, in Romans. Uh, chapter 8 verse 29 that jesus christ is the firstborn then that would contradict the other places in scripture where it says like in john 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was god and the word was with god in the beginning in the beginning of what in the beginning of all things that means that jesus christ is not a part of the the things that are in the beginning he's not created he, he, he's not a, a a created being because Jesus is the word who is God. And the, the cults will once again point to this and say Jesus is the created being. So it contradicts John chapter one. And it also contradicts John chapter one, verse 18, where it says, and this is in the NASB, that Jesus is where it calls Jesus the only begotten. What does it mean that Jesus is the only begotten? And the author mentions it uh, earlier here as well. Well, only begotten does not mean that, again, that Jesus was created because it says in in the NSB that no one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. If Christ is the only begotten, how can he be the first begotten of many? If he's the only begotten, then there's no others that are begotten besides him. So he cannot be the, he cannot be, there cannot be, he cannot be created and then uh, part of the the created order. He's the only, uh, and and only uh, the ESB doesn't use the word only begotten. It just it refers to Jesus as God, which uh, which is a better translation. It causes us not to get to get you know caught up on this only begotten of God. Does that mean that he's born of God? No. So firstborn has uh, a, a different meaning here in this passage. Uh, it means that that Jesus is the preeminent one. That's that's what it means that he is that that he is preeminent It indicates that that he has he is of, of uh, the dominion of the son. This same uh, word is used in Psalm 89, verse 27, where it says that the, the firstborn is equated to the highest kings of the earth. So the firstborn points to the preeminence of the son over all things, not that he is create. He is a part of the created order. I know that's a mouthful, but uh, these are the kind of things that that we are dealing with in our time. I had a guy that I was, I told you before, in a Bible study with when I was in the military. And I didn't know he was a Mormon. We would go and we would talk about Jesus Christ. And he was part, you know, he would sit in the Bible study. He would listen and then f- come to find out that he was a Mormon. And Mormons do not believe what we believe about Jesus Christ. So don't let them lie to you. If they come and they find you on the street, you see two, two guys riding a bike with a white shirt on night with a towel. And they stop you and say, we worship the same Jesus. We know it. No, they don't. Jehovah's witness. They do not believe in the same, uh, Jesus that we believe in. So firstborn here, does not mean that the point I'm making is that this does not mean that that Jesus is a part of the creation. Because verse seven kind of lets us in on why. Verse number seven says, Of which the angel, he says, uh he makes his angels uh wins and his uh matter of fact, I just I missed it. Go back to uh uh verse number six, I'm talking about and let the all the angels worship him. This is how we know Jesus is not a part of the created order, because who is worship due to? It's due to God. Why would God tell? Uh, why would God? In this passage, this this uh, quote here is from Septuagint, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 43. If you look in your Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 43, you won't see it. it it's it's different. But this is a a quote from the Septuagint and the Dead Sea Scrolls. And it says this, Rejoice, O nations, with his people, and let all the angels worship him. Again, worship is only ascribed to God. God commands all the angels to worship the Son, and this can only mean one thing, that the Son is God. God never commanded angels to be worshipped. Matter of fact, Pastor Mark read in Revelation chapter 19, Verse 10, it says, then I, John, fell down at his feet. This is the angel. It fell at, the, fell at his feet to worship him. But the angel said to me, he says, but he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant and with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Worship God. Now again. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus, God commands the angels to worship Him. Therefore, Jesus is not a part of the created order. The angels are simple servants. This is what verse seven says of the angels. He says he makes his angels wings and his ministers a flame of fire. This is this is Psalm one one hundred and four, verse number four. Angels are created to be servants of God. They're not sons. They're not kings. The angels do the bidding of God. If they do the bidding of God, Jesus Christ is God. Angels do the bidding of Jesus Christ, who is the son. He is their master. They are his servants. So again, Jesus is superior to the angels in that he is God's son. He is superior to the angels in that he receives worship. He is superior to the angels in that uh, verse eight and nine that he is the ruler of God's kingdom. But of the son, he says, you, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. Notice that God hails, this is a reference to the Messiah, He, he hails the Messiah as God. He said, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. God is a, it addresses uh, the, the Messiah as God. Verse number nine, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And this is a reference to Isaiah Chapter 61, verse 1, where it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus uh, quoted this at the beginning of his ministry because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind the broken heart, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound. This points to the Messiah, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is a ruler of God's kingdom. And not only is he a ruler of God's kingdom, he is eternal. He is eternal. And the author of Hebrews, to, to, to help us to see this point, he, he quotes Psalm 102 and says that Jesus, uh, verse number 10, it says, And the Lord, and you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the works or the work of your hand. This is found in Psalm 102, and this is similar to what John says in John chapter 1, where he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and and there was nothing, uh, not anything made that he did not make. Again, pointing to the divinity of the Messiah, who is the son uh, mentioned in the Old Testament. So he is uh, eternal. Verse 11, they will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Uh, uh, Verse 12, like a robe, you will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. Hallelujah, that we got a savior who is eternal. He doesn't change. He will always be the same in that he is God. He is the God man and he will be that. Forever. And because of that, we can have assurance that what he has done on our behalf will be accepted forever because Jesus Christ does not change. Creation changed, but the Son does not change. Again, this makes him greater than the angels. This is what the author is pointing out here in the last two verses, verse 13 and 14. And we see that he reigns. Uh, and to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Again, the answer to this question is no one. God has never said this to an uh, angel. This is an Old Testament reference again from Psalm Psalm 110, verses 1 through 4. This is a, a Masonic psalm. And it's a reference to the, the Messiah who would ascend the throne of God. It is a reference to the Messiah who is the rightful heir of all things. The Messiah who is the creator and sustainer of creation, which uh, the writer of Hebrews has already mentioned in verse number three. He is Lord. He reigns. He, his enemies will be put under his feet. He sits at the right hand of God which is the position of authority, honor, and dominion, and power. The angels do not sit at the right hand of God. So the son is superior to the angels in every way. In every way, he is superior. Uh, Verse 14, again, pointing to the, what is the ministry of angels? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? The, miss, the mission of angels is not to rule, but to serve. They are messengers of God. sent to They were sent, uh, particularly in the, uh, in the Old Testament, to reveal the will of God. They're sent to us to comfort us. Uh, it would be foolish to turn from Jesus Christ to angels. That's the point that the, the, the writer is making that Jesus, he he started out saying Jesus is, is superior to the prophets because he is God's final revelation. He is superior to the angels. And then he's going to next week, he's going to warn us. If this is true, if Jesus is is as God's final and ultimate revelation, if God has spoken to us finally and fully in Jesus Christ, we need to pay heed to him to turn away from him to any, you think about our Catholic brothers and sisters who, who look to, to Mary as a, as a mediator. They look to priests and popes uh, as, as those who, who mediate between God and man. That, that is blasphemy. Uh, That's the point that, that, that the writer is making go back and, and, and do, and, you know, I could only I could have broke this down in about five or six sermons. But, th- you know, I think it's going to be required on you to go and do and, and just read this and go back and read those Old Testament passages and let them enrich your faith because Jesus Christ is superior. He 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 is superior to, to all things. He, he is the creator. We don't just tag him on to the end of our prayers. He is the reason why we pray. He, he, is the mo- he is the motivation of why we pray. We, we can be assured that God hears and answers our prayer because of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done. We don't just tag him on to the end in Jesus' name and that'll ensure that our prayers will be answered. No, Jesus is God, he is the creator. He is the 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 victor that that God has sent forth to conquer his enemies. And Jesus Christ upholds all things even at this moment it is Jesus Christ not an angel, not Mary. It is he who is, at this very moment upholds all things it It is Jesus Christ who has purified us of all our sins and 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 made us able to go into the presence of God. Jesus Christ, all things bow down and worship Jesus Christ. The angels, they bow down and worship Jesus Christ. And so, beloved, do you have a passion for the supremacy of Jesus Christ as the Son of God in your life? When you read your Bible. Do you flip through the pages and then you you read your Bible and then you go away and, 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 and not amazed by Jesus Christ? Do you read your Bible to find things that appeal to you rather than Jesus Christ? Do you live in a way that others see that you know Jesus Christ and you serve him? Beloved, we were created for Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Let, let us pray. Father, how amazed we are that you have given us abundant life in Jesus Christ that enables us to see Christ clearly. There are many who perhaps some of us know who are a part of cults who minimize the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for giving us your word and not just giving us your word, but giving us the the heart to understand your word and see Jesus Christ and and, and 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 his his greatness and his superiority in all things that we can comprehend him. And these are, are the things that, that we need to know for ourselves because there are those who perhaps go up and down the streets in which we live who desire to deceive us about Jesus Christ and His greatness. But the, the scriptures are clear who Jesus Christ is, both Old Testament and New Testament. It is clear that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God. And we thank you for that because if he is God, then he is able to mediate our relationship with God the Father. And we, we are truly grateful for that. And I pray, Father, that your people, whenever they come in contact with someone who is a Mormon, who is a Jehovah's Witness, may they not be afraid to tell them that Jesus Christ is God, that he was not created and, and given divinity. No, he was always divine. He, was, he is always God. He, is, he has always been the son. And therefore, we can set our faith and trust and hope upon him for our salvation. We thank you, Father. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.